tips that you would like to give any first-time investors? What is maybe one or two things that they really, really need to consider? The two biggest tips I have is to first always start with a specific money goal in mind, because you might hear this today and you might see what Dr. Sev is doing or what I'm doing and think like, oh, I need to do that. And it's like, you might not need to do exactly what we're doing because everybody has different goals. And so when you start out with a specific money goal, it's easy for you to back into what that looks like for you. Like you might not need 12 rental properties like you see somebody on Facebook or Instagram having. Like maybe two could get you to your goal. Maybe one, maybe none. Maybe you'll invest in other ways. And so start with a specific money goal in mind. I want to make an extra $500 a month with real estate investing. And then like, okay, if I'm in Detroit, what does that mean for me in Detroit? Can I buy a property? Can I afford the kind of property it takes to make $500? If not, what else do I need to do? Hey friend, welcome to the Dr. Seb Talks Money podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Seb. On this podcast, I share simple, practical tips, realistic strategies, and workable solutions that lead to financial freedom. Occasionally, I'll have guests stopping by who share their financial freedom breakthrough stories. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the helpful tips and inspiring stories. Today, we have an exciting session, very informative session about real estate investing. I am discussing death freedom through real estate with Kendra Barnes. We'll also discuss some real estate investment strategies that I'm sure you're going to want to know about. Kendra is the founder of The Key Resource and the author of Acres. We're going to talk about that book too. She created The Key Resource to inspire, empower, and educate people about the power of home ownership and real estate investment. And I'm going to share too some of the things I'm doing because of the knowledge that she's been sharing. So Kendra, welcome to the Dr. Sev Talks Money YouTube and podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Oh, you are welcome. Before we dive in, I just want to remind everyone that this is educational entertainment, not advice. Right. So at your personal finance or realtor or whoever you're wanting, contact your financial person, legal person for advice specific to your situation. All right. So before we jump in, I see some comments in here. Neelam saying hello from LinkedIn. We have some comments from LinkedIn watchers. And Dr. Audrey is saying it's great to be here. I'm currently taking a course to sit the realtor exam. Beverly Harper joining from YouTube saying hi, everyone. And Neelam is saying, I've been thinking about investing in real estate. You're in the right place. And yes. we're going to some information <laughs> about Kendra's group, as I said before, I'm doing some things because of knowledge that I have gained from her from following her over the years. All right, Kendra. So the first thing is I want you to tell us how you began your journey into real estate investing. Yes. Yeah, so it was actually super random. Um, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining today. Uh, like Dr. Sev said, I'm Kendra, founder of The Key Resource. I've been investing in real estate since 2015. But the crazy thing is, before 2015, I never imagined I'd be an investor. And it's not because I didn't think I could do it. I just never considered it. 
I went to undergrad. I went to grad school. I got a government job. I got married, bought a house, like, you know, checking all the boxes that people Mm -hmm. say you should do. And I just assumed I would work until I was like 70 years old, maybe. And then I'd retire and then start living whatever life I wanted to live after that. But I really didn't like my nine to five job. And this is not nine to five bashing at all. It just wasn't for me, like the particular Mm -hmm. field that I was in. I really didn't like it. And I was always trying to side hustle my way out of my job, but it just wasn't working. And then one day my husband and I went to a game night and we played a game called cash flow. Mm -hmm. So cash flow is like monopoly, but it's a little different in that it really mimics life. And cash flow is trying to teach you the power of investing, teach you the power of passive income. Mm-hmm. So passive income is basically money you're making without exchanging time for it. Right. And so that's when the light bulb went off. We're like, oh, we're making these good government salaries. We, we were living really well, but we were not building wealth. Like we weren't right. taking that money and letting it work for us. And so that's how we got into real estate investing. That's where like the spark went off. And then we bought our first property a few months after playing that game, that random day. Awesome. I believe me, I understand about the nine to five. <laughs> so I know, as I said at the beginning, that I have learned a lot from Kendra and I'm using some of the strategies that she has shared. And we'll talk a little bit more in detail about some of those. But how would you describe your overall real estate strategy? I'm a buy and hold investor. Mostly I buy properties and rent them out. You know, you guys watching, you'll see like HGTV where people are flipping properties and doing stuff like that. I've never flipped a property. I do want to one day. I just haven't. It's a great strategy, but I'm a buy and hold investor. And I do a few other things too. Like we'll talk about a little more like passive ways to invest as well. All right. So I know with all this investment journey, you had to have some doozies. So yeah. what would you say is would be your worst investment? And what would you say is your best investment? All of the properties we've purchased have actually turned out to be good investments, but we've made really expensive mistakes buying them. And I would say our first property was probably the one with the most mistakes, because remember, this is 2015. People like, you know, we didn't have podcasts like yours, shows like yours. It was like back then it was very hard to even find out anything about real estate investing if you were not already in a wealthy circle. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we were out here just making mistakes. (laughs) And so we bought a duplex in Washington, D.C., and the duplex had a tenant living in one side already. When you're buying a property with a tenant already in it, there's so many questions you need to ask. We asked none of them. (laughs) When you're inheriting a tenant, you're inheriting whatever lease agreement they signed with that previous owner. And so that's a contract. That's a binding contract that you're also inheriting. So you should ask to look at it. We didn't. And we also... I would say with inheriting a tenant and we didn't talk to them. We didn't ask all these questions. So that was a big mistake. Also, because it was a duplex, I wish we had known about house hacking, which is basically when you buy a multi-unit property, you live in one unit and you rent out the other unit. That would have saved us a lot of money because let me give you all the numbers really quick. We bought the duplex for $228,000 in 2015. So it's Washington, D.C., a duplex that has two units and it was $228,000. The down payment for that property was about $57,000. That's a lot of money. When you're buying a rental property, buying a property that you're not going to live in, the bank, when you get a mortgage, they're going to ask you to put 20 to 25% down. But if we had just lived in one side of that duplex for one year, we could have used what's called an FHA loan. And with the FHA, we would have only had to put down three and a half percent. 
So 25% versus 3.5%, that's almost a $50,000 difference in that case. Because of not knowing, because of lack of knowledge, I say we wasted about 50K. So I would say those were a couple of the mistakes we made in the beginning. All right. And that leads me, you talked about house hacking, talk about, you know, renting Mm -hmm. one side of a duplex. Most times when you talk to people, they think real estate investment, they immediately think you have to buy a house somewhere, have a Mm -hmm. renter. I know from discussions in your group and attending some of your sessions that that's not the only way. Because right Right. now I am having a part of my house set aside for travel nurse rental. And I also invested in this thing called Funrise. Tell us some of the various ways that people can invest in real estate. First, if you own a house, you can rent out space in your house to travel nurses. You can rent out to a roommate who's going to live there on a year lease. You can even rent out, like if you have a backyard that's very picturesque or a basement you don't use, you can rent it out for photo shoots on a site called Peer Space, which is like an hourly rental site where people will come and take photo shoots or film content or whatever. And so there are ways to make money if you own a house. But also, like you said, there's passive, inv- like super passive investing, like Fundrise, which is basically when you're investing in large scale real estate development and you're getting paid on a intermittent basis based on like, the returns that those developments are making, but you don't have to worry about any of the actual issues that happen with the properties. You just invest your money and you're getting a check back. Likewise, you could be a private investor like me or like Dr. Sev is looking to buy some properties and we're like, hey, we're looking for investors. We'll give you XYZ return on your money. I don't do this, by the way. I'm not, I'm not soliciting any private investors, but it's just an example. And also, like I also invest in real estate investment trust, which is similar to Fundrise. But with Fundrise, you basically putting your money out there and they're going to invest it in whatever. You're putting it in a pot and they're going to put it in the different buckets. But with real estate investment trust, you have more control. So I do both. Real estate investment trust is almost like investing in a stock that pays a dividend, but you're investing in large scale real estate developments like shopping malls, hotels, and then you're getting paid out dividends. Those are some other ways. Um, I also wanted to say too, like if you don't own a home yet and you want to get into real estate investing, think about buying your first home as a future rental property. You could buy it for yourself now, live in it for one, two years, however many years you want. Later on, you could turn it into a rental property and you can build your portfolio that way because buying a house for yourself is just cheaper. You'll get a lower down payment, better interest rate because you're living in the property. People build entire portfolios by buying a house for themselves, living in it for a while, and then eventually renting it out and then buying a new house for themselves, living in it for a while. Think about that too. Also wanted to say Neelam is in Seattle. It's so expensive in Seattle. There's actually this really cool company called Loftium, which they're only in like the Pacific Northwest like Seattle, Portland, and out there, because the down payment is so hard to save for out there because it's so expensive, they're doing what they call host to own. Basically, unless they've changed it up, but Google Loftium, you'll buy a house with like a basement apartment or a guest house that's your Airbnb. They'll cover your down payment. And then as your Airbnb in that space out, they're going to take a percentage of your profits and that pays off the down payment over time. So let's say, for instance, I don't know, you make 3000 a month Airbnb, they might take like 30% and that goes to paying back that down payment. You get the house, the down payment's covered, and then you host to own. So eventually you'll pay them back. Anyway, I talked too much. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. That's good information. And for those of you who are interested to learn more, we're going to share the Facebook group that is filled with information. And not only is Kendra in there sharing a lot of valuable, priceless 
information, really great information. There are other people in there who are also investors and they're sharing information. They're sharing their journey. They're sharing their experiences. I mean, this is invaluable. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah. I love my group. Yes. I think outside of my book, my Facebook group is one of my proudest accomplishments as far as the key resource is concerned, because the vibe in there is just hard to find in a Facebook group where there's positivity, like there's so much just camaraderie, vice, support, yeah. and very little negativity. Like we did have an instance a few weeks ago that got a little spicy. Besides <laughs> that, about seven years it's been out. I'm just really proud of like everybody in there. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. They're really more givers than takers in that group. And it's really, mm -hmm. really, really great. You're saying you don't have Facebook. You can also follow Kendra on Instagram. And yeah. we're going to share that in a little bit. We have some questions about investing. Any tips that you would like to give any first-time investors? What is maybe one or two things that they really, really need to consider? Yeah, the two biggest tips I have is to first always start with a specific money goal in mind because you might hear this today and you might see what Dr. Sev is doing or what I'm doing and think like, oh, I need to do that. And it's like, you might not need to do exactly what we're doing because everybody has different goals. And so when you start out with a specific money goal, it's easy for you to back into what that looks like for you. Like you might not need 12 rental properties like you see somebody on Facebook or Instagram having. Like maybe two could get to your goal. Maybe one, maybe none. Maybe you'll invest in other ways, right? Start with a specific money goal in mind. I want to make an extra $500 a month with real estate investing. And then like, okay, if I'm in Detroit, what does that mean for me in Detroit? Can I buy a property? Can I afford? the kind of property it takes to make $500. If not, what else do I need to do? The second tip is always put yourself in a position to pivot. People will mm, see a property. Yeah. Cause you see a property and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like right downtown. I'm gonna put it on Airbnb and make all this money. And you might, you might make a lot of money because Airbnb is very lucrative. But what if the city that you're in puts a whole bunch of different restrictions on Airbnb all of a sudden? And now like a lot of cities are doing where it's so hard to be an Airbnb host because the hotel industry is lobbying and making it harder for people to host on Airbnb. And so then what happens if that first idea doesn't work out? Can you still be profitable in other ways? And so my advice is when you identify a property, run multiple scenarios and say, if Airbnb doesn't work out, then I know I can do travel nurses and still be profitable. It's not going to be the same profits, right? It's going to be a little different, but you can still reach your money goal. Or if travel nurses doesn't work out, then I know I can rent on peer space, or I know I can rent to military tenants or students or Section 8, right? Uh, so those are my two tips. Awesome. Yes. Always have backup plan because yeah. things can change. I mean, a lot of cities, as you said, even my city has put in something. You have to pay a lot of money to become yep. an Airbnb host. You have to jump through a lot of hoops yep. to become an Airbnb host. All right. So how would you determine that an investment is a good deal? What are some of the things that you'd want to look at? And guys, if you have any other questions, just post them in the chat, whether you're on YouTube, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Post your questions in the chat. Don't be shy. Um, a good deal. See, and that's the thing too, like a good deal is different for everybody. I think a good deal is one that meets your money goal and that also allows room for pivoting. I also like to look what the city has planned. If you're buying a property, kind of looking on the city planning website and seeing like, okay, in the next five years, they're doing a lot in this area. Like that's always a good sign. Every city has different websites, but just Google the name of your city and then like city planning or housing development or whatever, and just see what they have going on. I would say a good deal is one that 
really works for how much time you have. That's a big thing with real estate investing. What happens is I think a lot of first-time investors, they'll end up going towards properties that are most affordable, which are usually like older properties, which is understandable, right? When you're first starting out, you're making your money stretch as far as possible. So you might find this really cute house that was built in 1950 and it's going to be great for whatever kind of rental. But those older houses sometimes have a lot of issues. (laughs) I think like also trying to assess how much time and work am I going to have to put into this and does it align with how much time I have? I mentioned I started investing while I worked a nine to five job. I forgot to mention that I did retire at the age of 32. So that was four years ago, thanks to real estate investing. But I was working full time for a few years at first. You can do it and work a nine to five, but you got to be really realistic about like how much time that's going to take and if you have the capacity. Yeah, I agree. Because I know that with my schedule and all that I'm going on, I'm more onto passive type real estate. I don't have the time. I don't even have the time now to do what I do. (laughs) Same with me. Like I have a three-year-old now. And so my time is so different from when I started a few years ago. And that's why I love investments like real estate investment trust. The thing is, it's almost like a sliding scale because the most passive investments usually have like the lowest return, but the ones that are so time intensive for me, flipping is the most time intensive. It's hard. It's a lot of work, but flipping is way up there as far as work, but the return you make is going to be huge, right? You can make 10, 20, $30,000 in a few months with flipping, but you're going to work your butt off. You're going to be stressed out. Your hair might fall out. (laughs) And then you look at like real estate investment trust or fundrise where you're not doing anything at all, but the return is just not. So you have to really kind of figure out where on the scale you want to be. Do you want to deal with tenants? Do you not want to deal with tenants? So it's just like a balance trying to figure it out. And Neelam is saying here, I've been thinking about flipping properties, but it can be stressful. Yes. As Andre said, you know, the higher the risk, the higher the reward. Yeah. Pretty much in anything. All right. Anybody else has any questions, post them in the chat again. But in the meantime, any tips and tools that you can share with us for finding a good deal? I know that you've shared some that I've used to look for, you know, comparing rental property prices to compare travel nurse pricing, that sort of thing. Any specific ones that come to mind, tips and tools that they can use to find a good deal or to price a good deal? So one of my favorite tools, once you've identified a property you think is a good deal, you need to figure out like how much rental income you can make. And so I use a site called Rentometer or Rentometer, like thermometer, but Rentometer. That's a really easy site to use. You put the address in and it tells you here's what other landlords in that area are charging, basically. The other tool that I love is Avail, A-V-A-I-L.co. On the Avail site, there's a free resource where it shows you landlord tenant laws by state. And so that's so important important because people are getting into this landlording thing and not even understanding what the laws are in their state. For instance, in Washington, D.C., you have to put your security deposit in an interest-bearing savings account. And when your tenant moves out, you owe them that security deposit back plus interest which usually isn't a lot. Like it's like eight cents, but legally they could be there for like eight years and have eight cents of interest, which tells you a lot about savings accounts, right? That's a whole other conversation for another day, but it's really important to understand the landlord tenant laws in your state before you get into investing. Also for travel nurse rentals, I have a free course. It's hundred percent free. I'm not pitching you anything at the end. I'm not trying to sell you anything. And it tells you start to finish what you need to do to rent to travel nurses. And I guess we can share that link too later. Or, But also I know that... 
uh, Dr. Seb, you started doing that too. So I'm interested in hearing your experience. Yeah, I started, I actually had two persons contact me directly about my place that I have for a travel rental. Nice. And for those who are listening, my home, I have a downstairs area and I have designated that as a rental for travel nurses. I may put it on Airbnb. I don't know. I'm debating, but it's mostly for travel nurses because you have less people walking through your house. You have yes. somebody there for three months or, or yes. four months or whatever. Maybe you have two or three people in your house for the entire year. So if you have a basement or something like that, you can consider. Now the two persons that contacted me, I didn't go through with it because one of them wanted to go do some backdoor thing. Now I'm not doing that. And the second one, she was talking with me at the same time she was talking to somebody else and she went with the other person. But then a week later, I saw that she went back asking again for oh. contact for travel nurses, but I just did not respond because okay. I didn't know what their game was. So. Yeah. Cause you're like, why didn't it work out with the other person? Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing too. Like you really have to go with your gut, especially when you're renting out the home you live in. Cause I've done that before too. And you really got to go with your gut and just know that the perfect person for you will come along. That's really good. And I think a big thing is making sure you're calling their previous landlords and making sure they were actually good tenants before letting them stay. I didn't answer that question. Does investing require a big bank balance? Yes and no. Oh, let, me put it, let me put her question on here. Okay. I would say yes and no. Like technically you can buy properties. If you're a first time home buyer, there are programs out there where you can buy properties with zero money down, like NACA, NACA.com. That is a first time home buyer program where there's no down payment, no closing costs. There are some other stipulations, but it's a really great program. There are other programs like USDA has a program with 0% down. USDA, the Department of Agriculture. If you're a veteran, you can get a home with 0% down. There's 3% down programs. And so you don't need a lot of money per se for that part. But personally, I wouldn't do it if I didn't have at least three to six months of savings in my account because anything could happen. You could get that house with 0% down and then you need a new roof. You know, I mean, you'll have insurance and stuff too, but just things happen. You might get laid off. And so do you have enough to sustain any kind of ebbs and flows with expense is the big thing. And ask lots of questions. When you go to whoever you're talking to, your real estate banker or whoever, ask all kinds of questions and ask them, is there anything I'm not thinking about that I should know? Yeah. Research, research, research. Yeah. Don't just take the first answer. If they're giving you one option and selling you one option without giving you others, then you might want to run. You want to have different options. I'm going to put the link in for, what did we say? We're going to put the link in. A travel for, nurse course. Oh, I can, I'm let me send it to you. Sorry. Yeah, please send that to me. Now, one of the things I want to talk about is Kendra's book, which has been very successful. And the book is called Acres. And I'm going to share here the link to the website to get the book. And it's getyouracres.com. Tell us about the book. And I know that there's a compilation of stories yes. of 25 different Black real estate investors that are doing great things in the real estate field. So tell us some more about that book. Acres is a beautiful coffee table book. So it's not just words on pages, which I love a good book, right? There's nothing wrong with a good book like that, but there's lots of pictures in there too. And so it's a beautiful piece of art. And basically it's telling the stories of 25 young Black investors who have built wealth from the ground up with real estate. I created this book to really be the representation that I wish I had had years ago. Oh yeah, there's a link for the masterclass. Travel 
owner's class. So yeah, Acres tells these stories. And my goal is to really make sure that people see themselves represented. I believe that these stories deserve to be told in a beautiful way. And so the name Acres is basically paying homage to that idea of 40 acres and a mule that you hear about as reparations that Black people never did get, you know, back in the day when slavery ended. We were supposedly supposed to get this 40 acres and a mule, never got it. But here we are still building wealth, still owning homes, still buying land, still buying real estate. Despite all of the systematic oppression that's been put in place to keep us from doing it, we're still doing it and doing it so beautifully. And so in the book, you'll hear stories. Everybody in the book started from zero. No one hit the lottery. No one was born into a wealthy family. They all started from zero. We all started from zero and all made mistakes along the way. And I want to interrupt there to say this is so key because a lot of times we think we have to have money and hear what Kendra is saying. Mm -mm. You're 25. We're doing really well. And there are more. But she's still driving this book. It all started with zero. Zero. So it is yes. possible for us to do the same. Yeah. And I'm not saying they literally had like zero dollars in their account. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. I'm saying like they were just a regular nine to five worker, just living a normal life like everybody else. And that's started from there, from like ground zero from there and built. And so, yeah, I want to say one more thing about the book too. I'm really proud that $10,000 from sales of the book is going to fund two scholarships at an HBCU. I plan to do more if possible, but this book is self-published. This is my first book. (laughs) And so the plan is to eventually do more scholarships, but I'm really excited that a book about Black wealth is funding scholarships for students at a historically Black college and university. So it's just kind of like a full circle kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And again, we have a website there on the screen, getyouracres.com. Please make a note. I know you guys are going to come back and listen to this video again, because there are a lot of things that Kendra shared that you probably want to listen again and absorb. And I had shared the class for the travel nurse, but I'm mm-hmm. also wanting to share here her Facebook group. And I put it in the chat also. In the comments, you can copy and go to that website. This is where you can go to her Facebook group. And that's the group that really can't pay for the information that's in there. So tell us a little bit more about this Facebook group, Kendra. Yeah, the Facebook group is full of experienced investors and aspiring investors. Like you don't have to be a mega millionaire to be in the Facebook group. You can be just starting out. You don't even know when you're going to start. People post their questions in there. They post their journey. They're asking questions. And usually I respond to like every single question. People are always like, how can I pick your brain? Do you have mentorship? I'm not doing any mentorship. I don't do coaching right now. I'm fully focused on the book. But the Facebook group, if you want my undivided attention, like that's the place to be. I love the group. Honestly, the way social media has been lately, especially Instagram, I don't know, it seems so loud. It seems like so overwhelming these days that I've made a commitment to really focus more on the Facebook group than anything. So y'all are hearing it here first. (laughs) So you definitely want to get in the group. Yes, I can attest to that. Okay. (laughs) So is there anything else? I don't see any other questions unless I'm missing any. Oh, Neelam is asking, what do I need to know before starting the flipping project? I don't know where to start. That's a very involved question, Neelam. Get a mentor for sure, because I am not a flipper. I've never flipped. I would love to help you, but I'm not even going to lead you astray. Okay. (laughs) 
Yeah, as Kendra said, flipping is not part of her investment strategy. But if you come join the Facebook group or follow her on Instagram, she's associated with a lot of other yeah. real estate investors who have programs, who actually have mentorship programs. Mm -hmm. So you can follow her and you can learn about them and join their group. I know there's some, but I can't just think of their names right now. And I don't want to even try to start. But please follow her on Instagram. And again, that's at the key resource. Yeah. And then for the Facebook group, who join her here. And I put the live link inside of the chat so you can copy that and go back to it later. So Kendra, anything else that you would like to share? We could go on because there's just so much. I know. No, <laughs> this is great. Great questions. Um, thank you for everyone who participated. If you're seeing the replay and you do have questions, you can find me at the key resource. Just DM me and told me that you saw me on Dr. Seb Talks Money. And if you have any follow-up questions, let me know. Thank you for having me on. It's been such a pleasure. You're really good at this. So thank you for... <laughs> I've, I've had some practice. <laughs> yeah, you're serious. I'm just really appreciative. Thank you so much for sharing your platform. Thanks for listening to the Sev Talks Money podcast. Find us on sevtalksmoney.com, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. See you next time.